Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the True Critic Podcast. I'm here with Teddy Hirschfield today, and I couldn't be more excited to be here with him. Teddy, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Great! I thought for a second you were channeling your inner NPR voice. (laughs) But, uh, Teddy, we just passed the halfway mark of 2022. We did. How's your year been so far? You know, it's been been up and down. Okay. I'd say overall, pretty good. All right. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. From... A movie standpoint, how would you say your year's going? Um, you know, I wasn't uh, expecting this question, even though I'm on the movie podcast. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I like Top Gun. Right, we uh, had that. We had that. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, just watched Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh huh. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, other than that, it hasn't been a big movie year for me. Okay. What else, what else came out early in the year? Batman? Did you see Batman? I didn't. I did not see Batman. Um, there's actually been a good chunk of like uh, franchise movies. You didn't see the new Jurassic World, did you? I did not, no. What about Lightyear? No. The new Doctor Strange, perhaps. Nope, and have <laughs> zero interest in the fourth. What about, <laughs> what about Morbius? You a Morbius guy? I'm not. You should be. Um, other than that, it's been pretty... It's been a rough year. Yeah, I, I. this is one of the first things I wanted to note. It's been a pretty... Piss poor year for movies so far. And later in the show, we'll talk about um, each of our top five movies, most anticipated movies for the rest of the year. And even that was tough to make because the slate of July through December is dog shit, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I, well, I wrote down, I started making that list by writing down all the movies coming out the rest of the year that I want to see. And I got 10 movies I want to see. Yeah, I'll be honest. We're doing the top five, right? Yeah. So the last, the first three, I want to see. The last two, I didn't even really know were coming out. Yeah. But I remember seeing the trailer. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. My see, like my number five on that list is like, it could it could be either a fun surprise and be pretty good, or there's a very good chance it could be really bad. I think and that, it's, I think that's my my number. Uh, yeah. My, yeah. No, my number four because you. Uh, let me just. Put for the record, I haven't seen Elvis yet. Okay, so yeah. I put that on my list with a number six in the event I can't include Elvis, and we decided not to. Yeah, yeah. Elvis is worth the watch, though. Should we just get right into my top five of the year so far? Yeah. And uh, you... This will be relatively brief because I did tweet out my top ten of mm-hmm. the year so far, and so that list is out there for everybody to see. So I really just wanted to say a little more about the top five. And, I'd love to. Um, I'd love then to. we can get into more of like what's coming up in the year. Uh. So some honorable mentions, a.k.a. my 10 through 6. Okay. From 10 to 6, it went um, Men, directed by Alex Garland. Elvis is at 9, like you said. Um, Hustle, the Netflix movie starring Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Delightful little surprise. Highly recommend that. But that was only 8? Yeah, that was at 8. Okay. And then um, number 7 is Kimmy, an HBO Max original movie directed by Steven Soderbergh, starring Zoe Kravitz. Contained a little thriller, really entertaining. Watched it, honestly. It came out back in February or March, but I watched it last week. And really, really fun, like, 90-minute watch. And so, yeah, I really liked it. And then number six, which, honestly, the more I think about it, the more I like it, is Jackass Forever. Really? Yeah, I love Jackass Forever. And it helps. I saw it opening night, the night it came out, that Friday. And um, the theater I saw it in was completely sold out, which was awesome. And so it was very, the laughs were super loud. And, you know, I mean, you know how Jackass works, where it's literally oh, just yeah. oh, 90 minutes of 
a bunch of guys fucking around. So it was a lot of fun to watch, and I would highly recommend Jackass Forever. Jackass Four and a Half is now on Netflix, which is kind of like some stunts that didn't make the movie and also just basically behind-the-scenes stuff. And so that was also really enjoyable. But yeah, Jackass Forever is my number six. But then um, I can get right into uh, my number five, unless there's any movies you wanted to mention outside of Top Gun. Did you want to say anything about Thor right now? Because I haven't seen I, it. I think it's it's awful. Yeah. You know, um, I really, there was only, so like like pre-Endgame, I, I loved most Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I know it's it's a very hot take for a lot of people, but one of my least favorites is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, yeah. But in general, I still think it's a good movie, uh-huh. which I think is a test to like how I feel about pre-Endgame and the I think it's phase one through four. Yeah. Um, and then Far From Home and No Way Home were the only movies I saw post-Endgame, and I didn't like either of them. I really hated No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And... No Way Home looks like a masterpiece compared to Thor. Thor yeah. is by far the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yep. Like yeah. Ant-Man and the like Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. light years better than this new Thor movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you and I were just talking about this before we hopped on the mic. Uh, since Endgame, with the exception of Far From Home, the second Spider-Man movie, which I think is it's good. I would I think it's like a 7 out of 10 movie. It's not what people think it is. Like people think, oh, that's a Spider-Man. He can do no wrong. So like I liked that movie when I saw it, but it's like as I get older and further removed from it, it's I definitely don't like it as much anymore. But like I said, let's run through the phase four movies they've released since Far From Home at right after Endgame. So they've done this is phase five now, I think this is this is phase four. Oh, it is. Endgame was the end of phase three. Oh, yeah. I thought it was four. Well, but okay, get your yeah. facts right. So, um, doesn't matter. It's shit either way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they did Black Widow. That was like their first post post COVID quote unquote movie. Right. Ass. I thought just yeah. like one of the most forgettable movies they've ever made because they made it about a character who's already dead. Which sure, I guess. And then they made Shang Chi, which is seems to be one of the Phase Four movies that most people would say is one of the better ones. I, I thought. I, I've heard people say that that is the best Marvel movie ever. Uh, yeah, I've heard that too, and I don't get it. I, I, I thought when I saw it, the first 30 minutes of it, I was I remember being like, this is pretty good. And then I thought it just took like a like hard 90-degree angle dip in quality for the next hour and a half. And so I really didn't like it, so we'll call it ass. <laughs> and then Eternals, ass. And that's probably one of the most universally disliked MCU movies, I would say. Okay. From an audience and critic standpoint, like that movie did not get positive feedback and then they did no way home which you and i notoriously do not enjoy but everybody else seems to so for the sake of the argument we'll say it's good just so it's like they've done one good movie three bad ones then they did doctor strange in the multiverse of madness ass in my opinion and it's again it's got poor critical reception overall and not a great audience reception and then they just did thor love and thunder which seems to be ass it was it was well, the problem with it is like, in my opinion, that the, the graphics are terrible. But yeah. l- put that aside for a second. I think the writing of the movie is awful, mm-hmm. and I know it's based on the comics, but that's still a reason to not like the movie. Yeah, I hate that cop out. That's so dumb to me. It's, it's, people it's like the comics. Dude. This happens in the comics, so it has to happen in the movies. <laughs> and I'm like, just be just because something then, happens. Then the comics are written bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like I hate this whole, like. 
you have to follow the source material to a T. And like the prime example I always use is um, the movie, the social network, mm-hmm. the movie about the creation of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, most of that movie, like, I don't know ex- the exact amount, but like people I've heard people say like 80, 80% of that movie or more is just straight up false, but it's so, so good. And like, it's written so well and the story unfolds in such a way that it's like, I don't care if this is true. It's just, it's that good of a movie on its own. And so it's like, it's kind of the same thing with Marvel. It's like, just cause it happens in the comics, doesn't mean you have to include it, you know? And even if that's the case, I don't even know, I don't know anything about the comics. So if like, I could be like pissing somebody off right now and I, I just don't know. And I don't care, frankly. Yeah. And like I said, I haven't seen the new Thor. I don't want to, but, um, what I've heard some people say about it is that it feels like it's five different movies crammed into one movie. Mm-hmm. I've heard there's a real balance, like imbalance of tone and it's just it's, bouncing it's around. so from a, weird. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And like in Christian Bale's the uh, villain. Right. That's, that's the only reason I could see myself going to see it. You would never do nothing with him. Really? Like it, it is so, like, I was really excited. I was like, Oh, you know, Christian Bale, you know, kind of like uh Defoe. Mm-hmm, yeah, and Spider-Man, like, I, I, he's good. Oh, yeah, he was great. And Christian Bale, and it's not like he did anything bad, but they really did not let him, they they relied on weird dialogue and, like, just, you know, dark, it, it, it's just, they didn't utilize him like they could. Okay, yeah. Which is very upsetting. I, I've heard the term underutilized for yeah. him. Like, I've heard he's he's good as the villain, but I've heard he's not in it enough. Well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I made a joke about it, and, like, obviously this isn't true, but I feel like I could have played that part. <laughs> because it, literally, like, they just put him in a costume and, like, had him say, like, seven words and then be like, oh, yeah, you're bald, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right, back to Thor. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I don't want to get too, I don't want to, like, ruin anything, but there's, like, one scene in particular, once you see it, I want to talk about, where they just try and make him look super, super, super scary. And I'm just, like... He's so not like he's just not a good villain. Really? Okay. I, well, that, that was my thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I can see myself seeing it for the, re, for the sake of Christian Bale, but I, I'm not excited to see it no. if I do. But um, all right, let's let's uh, take a bit of a detour, get back on track, yeah, and uh, <laughs> talk about what's been good in 2022 so far. So starting, I'll get over back to my uh, top five list. I'll start with my number five, which is a movie called X. It's a uh, slasher horror movie. It's um. So yeah, it's basically it's this group of young of people in their twenties. They're uh, going to shoot a a porno, and so they move. They uh, go and rent this uh, basically this farmhouse out in uh, Texas. I'm pretty sure it is. And the owners of the farmhouse are these two very old people, and it turns out they're actually like sadistic murderers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very campy in that way, and the kills are so over the top and so graphic and violent so it's extremely fun in that way because it doesn't take itself too serious but at the same time i think it's this really poignant um portrayal of like what what modern horror has come to what audiences are expecting from their horror and it kind of just like flips the uh i don't want to say the horror genre but audience expectations on its head and it's this movie like i said it's extremely fun and campy and it's uh there's a lot of surface level enjoyment but there's also like you can watch this movie through a much more critical lens and just see how it's commenting on the state of horror today and basically how, how, how audiences are not really willing to put in work to, uh, to really, um, 
I guess, engage with a horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the more like quote unquote elevated horror, elevated horror is what a lot of people have been uh, making nowadays. And so I think it's really cool that you can enjoy it through those two different lenses. And I thought, yeah, so I thought it was extremely entertaining in both of those facets. The kills, like I said, were super over the top and worked really, really well. The movie looks great. It's shot on film, so it has this really nice grainy texture to it. It takes place in the 1970s, which is nice. Um, and then it's got my guy Kid Cudi in it, my favorite <laughs> musician in it. So uh, that was that was one of my main reasons for going to see it. And, yeah, I really, really enjoyed X. Have you heard anything about this movie? Nope. Okay. I would imagine most of these I haven't heard of. Uh, well, I mean, you, you've definitely seen one of them. We mentioned it before the show started. So, but yeah, and hopefully I can. Hopefully the, you'll want to see these movies more by the time we're oh, done yeah. talking. Yeah, X I would highly recommend. Um, I don't know. Like I said, the rest of the year isn't looking great for movies. So hopefully this stays on the top ten because it is a movie I really like. Um, I would say I liked it more right after I saw it. And you and I have talked in the past about how the best movies are the ones that really stick with you over a long period of time and you find yourself thinking about it periodically. Mm-hmm. And so I would say these, these next four movies definitely had more of an impact on me in that respect than X did, but I still really, really enjoy and highly recommend X. Um, my number four was the Batman, mm-hmm. which um, I had gone on record as saying before I saw the movie that this was my most anticipated movie of the decade. Really? Yeah. The bat Matt Reeves, the Batman was it was it, it it had the highest mark on my list. So here we were right before we started talking about this list, shitting on the MCU. Um, this isn't to say I don't like superhero movies because I mean I still think The Dark Knight is one of the one of the if not the greatest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's a lot of superhero movies that I really do love. Like I think Logan is an excellent excellent superhero movie. I think there's some of the earlier MCU movies that I really, really enjoy. I really enjoy Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War. Civil War, yeah. I think Civil War's great. I think um, the first Avengers movie works really well. First Iron Man. And, I mean, there's some here and there. I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie a lot. You and I talked about Thor Ragnarok as a really effective Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I don't like superhero movies. I love them, and I love the character of Batman. Batman, 19, the 1989 version of Batman is another one of my favorite superhero movies. So that character means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Just because I find him so interesting, um, basically because he's like, uh, he's he's basically Iron Man before Iron Man got popular. You know, he's a superhero without any superpowers. Mm-hmm. His power is that he's rich, mm-hmm. um, and so I like that aspect of it. And I love how like dark and gritty that a lot of the past movies have gone with it. That's just something that appeals to me. That style of movie making, and this is like by far the darkest and grittiest Batman movie ever ever made. Um, so I really applaud the movie for going for it. Is That's what I wrote down. Um, they, like, said, you know, this is our version of Gotham. It's dark. It's upsetting. Our version of Batman is a lot of people called him emo. And it's like they, they committed to it for three hours. It's a three-hour movie. I've seen it three times now. Um, and I, I, love, I love this movie very, very much. I don't think it's perfect. Right when I saw the movie... I saw it with a lot of my friends who, you know, we all love Dark Knight and, you know, the the Nolan trilogy so much. And right when the movie ended, a lot of them were like, oh, that was that was awesome. That that might be better than Dark Knight. And I was never in that camp. Mm-hmm. I was never I was like, that's not better than Dark Knight. But that was really good. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, so it's basically it's what a lot of people refer to as a procedural. So it's like a murder mystery for a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of these uh, these kills that happen and there's a lot of clues. And, you know, it's basically Batman hunting down a serial killer for three hours which is awesome. The only issue I have with the movie is that because it gets so caught up in this procedural of, you know, 
finding a clue, leading to the next clue, getting me one step closer to the hero. There's not a ton of emotion in the movie. Mm. So um, that's only that's one thing I would have wanted more of. But I still think, you know, when the final, um, you know, last 10 minutes of the movie hit and you really get the the whole point of the movie and you really get Batman learning what he needs, learning what he needed to learn from this experience, I still think it hits pretty well, but I think it could have hit harder had more emotional sequences been hmm. included in the movie. But um, I just think Matt Reeves has such a clear, like, voice with this movie. And I, I feel this way about his um, Planet of the Apes movies which I love very much. And I've gone on record saying, I think the new planet of the apes trilogy is better than Nolan's dark Knight trilogy. And I still believe that. Um, but yeah, he, he, like I said, it's an extremely clear voice. You can see how passionate he is about it. And it just, it's a world that I want to spend a lot more time in this version mm-hmm. of Gotham. And I loved Pattinson as Batman. Like I said, people say he's emo and for three hours of the movie, I don't think he smiles once. So it's very, very dark. And, um, uh, and another thing I loved so much about this is that uh, this was a complaint from some people that I that I know and that I've talked about it with. They said that uh, they wanted more Bruce Wayne because it's a three-hour movie, and if Batman is, like, in the cowl, he's in his costume for it feels like probably two and a half out of the three hours, which I think is awesome. Right. Because, you know, too much Batman is not really a, a complaint that you'll hear from me, and I think Pattinson plays him so well, so I really loved that aspect of it, and... It seems like this movie, you know, it came out back in March. So we're, what, like four months removed from it. And it's honestly, it's not aging that well. It, there's there's kind of a discourse turning on the movie. You know, because when it came out, there was met with a ton of positivity. And the only real complaint was, yeah, it's probably it probably didn't need to be three hours. It probably could have just been two and a half. Right. But everybody's still like, but it was still really good. There's kind of more of a discourse going on that of this argument of like, okay, it's not that good. And that seems to happen with a lot of movies like... That's really happened with Avatar over the past 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. People being like, all right, chill. It's not that good. And so I, I really hope that doesn't continue going down the road because I think this movie is incredibly impressive. And I'm excited to see more Batman movies with these characters and this Batman. So I, I personally am not a huge Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's a difference between like my favorite movies and like movies that, like, I think The Dark Knight is a phenomenal movie, mm-hmm. but I'm not really a Batman fan. So, like, I don't find myself watching it that often. Yeah. Which is why I really have just had no interest watching okay. the Batman. It's not like yeah. I, it's not like I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I just, I'm yeah. not a huge Batman. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's a cool guy. It's a cool concept. I just never really yeah. got into Batman. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> I think, well, yeah. I mean, I was introduced to Batman when I was really, really young. And I mean, Growing up loving movies, one of the things for me, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, when they're younger, I, w- I always wanted to see movies that I wasn't allowed to see. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember when I was really young, my mom first let me watch Spider-Man, the like Tobey Maguire one. And like I was a little freaked out by it, but like at the same time, like I really liked the fact that I could watch it and like it felt kind of wrong. Mm-hmm. And so next I wanted, I wanted to see Batman. You know, I, I was seven when The Dark Knight came out. And so my mom was kind of like, I don't know. It's like... It seems pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And she ended up taking me to see it anyway. But she showed me, like I said, the 1989 Batman first. We watched Batman Begins together. and Which I really don't think is that good. I, I, I like Batman Begins. I think it's better than Rises. I think Rises is okay. problematic. But um, so, like, it was, again, it was this thing of just, like, you know, I hate to use the term nostalgia as the reason why I like it, but 
you know, I was in kindergarten, first, second grade seeing these movies and like my friends weren't allowed to yet. Right. So that's why I think I had such a connection to, and that just made me want to go watch it more. So then I would go home from school and just pop in the dark Knight and pop in, um, Batman begins. And it, yeah, it just, you know, so I have that memory to it and then, but they're also really well-made movies. Yeah. So that's why I like the character so much. And I think this interpretation is very different than the other ones. I don't know if you know this, but like, this is a much younger Batman. So this is, yeah. yeah. So a big thing in this movie is that he's in his, he's in his second year of being Batman. So he's still dealing with basically how he's portrayed in like the eyes of the public, Mm -hmm. how, how like his enemies see him. Do they see him as a real threat? And like, how is he, uh, how is he represented in society? Because he's basically like his thing is he, in the movie, they don't even really call him Batman. He calls himself and they call him vengeance for most of the movie because his whole thing is that he's like getting revenge on like, the people who are wronging the city. Right. And so it's learning to basically, you know, is that the symbol that he wants to be? Is that how he wants to be known by people that like the people that are on his side, these, these, these rare good people in Gotham. So I think that aspect of it was really interesting. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend the Batman worth a watch. All right. Um, Number three, uh, I think people think I might have this too low is uh, everything everywhere all at once. You heard of this one? Mm Mm-mm. Oh, I've heard of it. Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's directed by a directing crew called the Daniels. Uh, two guys named Daniel. I think it's Daniel. One of them's Daniel Kwan, and I forget the other one. I'm sorry, but uh, it, it's a it's a movie about the multiverse, kind of. That's the easiest way to sum it up. And uh, when I saw this movie, what I I wrote about it was that I said it's like the most comparable movie there is to like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, where I it's like. That, yeah there's a ton going on in this movie. Like I said, it's about the multiverse. So like, and they really take advantage of it, which is something Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness didn't do. Like mm-hmm. that movie's really boring. I think. And it's like, you have literally infinite possibilities because it's literally a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And this movie goes through so many different possibilities and, um, it's very, very creative in that way. And that's what I admire the most about it. So, yeah. But in regards to being like Thanksgiving dinner, it's like Thanksgiving dinner, at least for me is like a table full of, you know, different dishes and you basically, you know, pick and choose what you want, fill your plate up. And it's like, it's like, there's almost too much to choose from sometimes. And so it can be overstuffed, but you know, once Thanksgiving is done, like, I don't know about you, but that's one, like one of my favorite holidays. So I always look back on it with such like a, um, such a positive viewpoint. And so that's how I look back at everything everywhere all at once. Cause like, it's almost two and a half hours long and you know, it's not some part of some bigger franchise or nothing like that. So you, you know, you're going in, you're meeting all these characters for the first time and you're spending so much time with them mm-hmm. that it can feel a little overstuffed, but it's never boring, you know? Right. So that much I like about it. And it's it's really, really thoughtful. There, It's really, really deep and thematic. And so I love movies like that, movies that make me think, movies that make me get out of my comfort zone. And, that, and this movie definitely did that. And uh, the action is really, really, really good. And it's an, it's an incredible movie. And I think uh, a lot of people have this as their best movie of the year so far, which is totally understandable. The only reason I don't is I would say um, the movie makes a lot of attempts to be funny and oftentimes it's very successful. I think um, a lot of the movie is pretty funny, but there's a lot of, there's also a lot of bits that really didn't work for me. Like they just aren't my sense of humor mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, and you know, they're in a multiverse. So they, you know, they go into these universes where certain things and it's like, that's a big thing in the universe. Like one thing that did totally work for me, there's this one, universe that they go to where it's like it's called like a hot dog universe where everybody's fingers are just hot dogs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's like i thought that worked really well and i thought that was really funny but there was other 
sequences like that where the humor just didn't really land for me. I, um, I would, I would like to speak more about it, but I, I think that there's more people. I think people that listen to this podcast should really check this movie out on their own. Um, but yeah, so I think that was the only difference. That was the only thing for me. And it's these, these comedic sequences, a lot of them are really, really extended. They'll go on right. for like five minutes straight. And I'm just, and, and when it's not working for you, you know, you kind of just like, I don't really want to watch this. Right. But for the most part, like this movie is incredible. Regardless, you should definitely check it out. And it's really, really strong. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Okay. It's a mouthful, but it's, it's very good. And then number two, I had uh, Robert Eggers' new film, The Northman. Um, Eggers, I think, is one of the most exciting filmmakers working today. He strictly makes period pieces. He's made The Witch, The Lighthouse, and now The Northman. The Northman is a Viking movie starring Alexander Skarsgård and Taylor Joy, and it's ba- it's a simple it's a simple revenge story. A uh, he's a young he's a son of a king, um, this child, and his uncle kills his father, and then like takes his wife or takes his mom to be his wife, and and then the the boy is like forced to uh, basically leave their village because he's worried he'll he'll be killed too, and so he and then the movie is about. I think it's like 15, 20 years later and he's just ready for revenge. And uh, so that, it's very simple premise in that aspect. And the movie is incredibly brutal as he goes on this journey to kill his uncle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, it's so interesting because like I said, it's the, the action is extremely brutal. It's a very hard movie to watch in that regard. And it, it's very, it's very visceral, the whole movie, but it's interesting how there's these sequences of brutal violence and then he also, the main character, has a lot of these dream-like sequences where he basically questions his existence and basically what 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 his role is on uh, in in the world mm-hmm. and like what he, what his legacy is going to mean. So it's cool bouncing back and forth between those ideas, and it made a simple revenge story a lot better than it should have been on paper. And I think part of that is just Eggers is so extremely talented, and I think Alexander Skarsgård gives an absolutely amazing performance. You should see. You should like go on YouTube sometime and look up the transformation he did to play this role. He put on so much muscle to play this Viking, and like one of the things the movie is just like his traps, the muscles up by his shoulders, are like massive. They go up to like his ear, and (laughs) it's insane. And he is he is he has such a presence on screen, and it's so much fun to watch. And so yeah, The Northman definitely check it out. Okay. And then number one is a movie you and I have talked a long time about. It's Top Gun Maverick. Um. I, I want to say I think the Northman and Everything Everywhere All at Once, when you boil it down, are probably better movies. But Top Gun Maverick is just so crowd pleasing, and mm-hmm. like, I more than all more than these other movies has lived in my head rent free since I saw it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you and I you and I talked about it for a long time. If you want to hear what we have to say about it, go listen to our Top Gun Maverick episode. But man, when they're in the air, when they're in those planes. There, I like, I can't remember a last the last time I felt like that watching a movie. So, Top Gun Maverick is my favorite movie of the year so far. Anything you want to add on that? No, but I can tell you that was probably the more interesting part of the podcast because I bet you those five movies are better than the five movies you're about to list off. You know what? I for a good chunk of of them, one or two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, should we just get right into those? Let's do it. All right. I'll let you go first. I want to hear what your five and four are. So wait, before we go, you said Elvis would have been on your list. It would have. But yeah, so it would have been my three. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check out Elvis. Yeah. I, I told you I'll talk about it for a sec here. I said that Elvis is a movie that I am fascinated by and I admire 
more than I enjoy it. And it, that has nothing to do with the content of the movie. This has nothing to do with the life of Elvis that I'm super interested in. I'm 100% interested in the way Baz Luhrmann, the guy who directed this movie, decided to tell this story. Now, he is known for being what is very what is called like a maximalist filmmaker. Have you seen The, the Great Gatsby with Leo? Yes. So he directed that movie. That was the last movie he made. And that movie has a very particular visual presentation to it. It's very shiny. It's oh, very yeah, like yeah, I remember. over the top and yeah. like it's um there's a lot of like digital effects and it's very I mean unique looking is the it's, simplest it's way like, to put like it. Old it takes place in, in, in the thirties, yeah. Thirties, but it doesn't look like that. Yeah, like, and it's color it's, 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 very, it's yeah. extremely modernized. Yeah. So Elvis is made in the very similar fashion. And so from from a visual standpoint, the movie is extremely glamorized and shiny and the camera seems like it's always moving and there's a ton of cuts in the movie and the movie's two hours and 40 minutes and it feels like they make a cut like literally every one to two seconds and every single cut they make the next frame and this is how I felt watching it in the next frame it's felt like it pulled your eyes to a different part of the screen so when I saw it, the person I saw it with I was talking to about them with it after if it, it feels like it felt like like you're the pinball in a pinball machine like your oh. your eyes because you were literally just like bouncing around the whole movie and it's like your head's never still you're moving around and so it's exhausting it's it's like when the movie ended like it's literally like you take like a deep breath it's like getting off a roller coaster like getting done with a workout you're like whoa like <laughs> what just happened and so it, it's in it it fascinates me in that fact like that by the time the movie ended like I weirdly felt like it's kind of like a sense of accomplishment for like getting through it because it's so, so dense and so it's is completely it, its it own. Rewarding? Like, is it rewarding? Yeah, you know through? what? Yeah. Because like I look back on the experience fondly, you know, I've saw it a couple weeks ago now. So it's interesting in that fact. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again though, but like at the same time, I kind of do want to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the guy who played Elvis, Austin Butler is his name. He was excellent. He He's was great. a Nickelodeon guy. He is a Nickelodeon yeah. kid, and he was great. I would, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, his career kind of takes off and has, he has this, um, I guess resurgence, if you will. But uh, yeah, he was great. Um, Tom Hanks is in this movie. He plays his manager, mm-hmm. and he's been getting universally pretty much panned for his performance. Really? Yeah, he is very odd in the movie. He has this really weird accent. Yeah, I've seen those in the trailer. Yeah, and the fact that he did that. I was like, okay, and it, it is a weird performance, but the movie is, like I said, so incredibly weird and energetic and like an adrenaline rush that it's almost like the performance kind of worked for me. Like, because because the movie was so weird and so its own thing, I almost didn't mind it, and mm-hmm. so I, I still feel that way. I felt that way right after I saw it, and I still do. I mean, it's definitely... When Tom Cruise, or Tom Cruise, when Tom Hanks, you know, when people look back on his legacy as an actor, they 100% aren't going to be like, you know, and his role in Elvis was one of his best ones. No, it's definitely towards the bottom of his performances. But I thought it kind of worked for the movie that it was. And, um, you know, when you boil it down from a structural standpoint, it is a pretty basic biopic. You know, it's basically, they tell as much of the story about Elvis as they can without going too in-depth. So it's like Elvis as a kid all the way up to Elvis's death. And it's they're they're hit they're trying to hit the high points, you know, mm-hmm. hit the low points. And so it's not very deep. There's not, you know, it doesn't leave you with a lasting impression. You get a very surface level um 
basically explanation of Elvis's life. And so in that sense, it's nothing new. It's no different from Bohemian Rhapsody in that um, regard. But I'm just telling you, the presentation of this movie was one of a kind, and I really, really was fascinated by it. Hmm. So I, I would check it out for that reason. Yeah, it's worth I, it's worth seeing for the discussion. I, I'm definitely going. I, it's one of the. I mean, I I just don't have the dedication that you do. So I, if I'm slightly busy, yeah, I'm not going to the theater. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's one. Yeah, you don't you don't need to rush out to see it. But if you get if but you yeah, ever have I a do, spare two hours and forty minutes, yeah, <laughs> Elvis is worth the watch. Um, yeah, so well, that would have been my three. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately yeah, we decided to do just movies that haven't been released yet. Mm-hmm. So as of, you know, early July, these haven't been released. So go ahead with your number five though. My number five, um, although we just shit on MCU, it is the black Panther Wakanda forever. Okay. Only because like I said, I was a fan of pre MCU movies. So like, that's why I haven't really had interest with like black widow. I had a little bit of interest, but let the new movies, Mm-hmm. And didn't really have an interest with you know, and then yeah, yeah, it's on the five because it's it's an MCU movie, and I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I really, I, it's not like I'm rushing to see it, but it, it made my list. Right, yeah, I am not that movie's not on my list, but I am interested to see how they handle a story. Granted, what happened to Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I am interested to see yeah. how it's how the story unfolds. Um. I also, but yeah, I just don't have really any faith in the MCU. I so. also just think that Black Panther pre and pre Endgame is way overrated. It's yeah, and I I'm, don't think it's great. Yeah, <laughs> well, like I said, I like it, but I don't yeah. think it's. I think it's towards the middle of the pack, if not. The I agree. I, I think it's a middle of the road MCU yeah. movie. Which, and I'm and I'm just curious to see like how people are going to react to it. Yeah, since they loved it, I know so much the first time. Yeah, and it's like you know. It's so sad that Chadwick Boseman passed, and it's kind of like, do we need another Black Panther movie? Yeah. Can we just leave it as it is? So I hope it's... I, I'm more I interested. It's not so much I yeah. want to see it. I'm interested how... Uh, yeah, you know, so am I. That, that was kind yeah. of my Thor thing. I didn't really expect Thor to be all that great, Yeah, but I was curious. Yeah, I think there's a level, There's certainly a level of curiosity with me for this movie much more than any other MCU movie mm-hmm. coming out soon. Um. My number five is a movie that comes out on August 5th called Bullet Train. This is a movie that I said... That's could, my number four, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So we can take this time to talk about it. Um. Yeah, like I said, uh, the trailers <laughs> are odd. I feel like this movie could be pleasantly surprising and be like a lot of fun and really enjoyable. Or it could be really, really bad. I think I think it's going to be like... You know like the movie um, Spy with Melissa McCarthy? Yeah. Or it's going to be like that super serious role mm-hmm. or super serious plot, but the comedy's in there. Yeah. That's how I imagine it's going to be. And it's probably going to be more funny than it yeah. is more about I agree. what's going on. It's yeah. A, it's a weird, weird I think, plot, yeah, the, the movie it made me think of the most when I saw the trailer was Kingsman. Oh, yeah. That'd be a, yeah. probably a better. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With just like, except obviously more contained because it seems like almost the whole movie is going to be taking place on a train, which yeah. is cool. And, um. I really like the cast a lot. I'm a huge Brad Pitt fan. Too, I've yeah. been, I've been a Moneyball. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm. That's the main reason I want to see it. And the guy who's directing it, David Leach, he did Deadpool two, which I think is okay. And he did a movie called Atomic Blonde, which I don't think is great. But one thing about both of those movies is that I think the action is great. Mm-hmm. The action's really really solid. And so, and he also worked on uh, the John, the uh, first John Wick movie. He was a co director on that. Oh okay. Which is one of my favorite I movies of that. the 2010s. So 
And so he's got obviously great eye for action. And so I'm very excited. I think the action will be great. And mm-hmm. it's nice that he's got a talent like Brad Pitt, who's so likable and charismatic in that lead role. But he's also got guys like Aaron Taylor Johnson that I really like. Um, Sandra Bullock's apparently in this movie. Yeah. She's probably going to have a smaller role, but still love Sandra. So yeah, I'm opti- I'm cautiously optimistic about this movie. So right. I haven't loved all of his movies, but you know, I like I said, the action's been great in all of them. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this one's good. In all fairness, if it wasn't Brad Pitt, I wouldn't have interest. Oh, I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be it definitely wouldn't be on my list if it wasn't yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um. So you said that was your number four, right? That was my four. Yes. Okay. So I'll do my four. My four is coming out November twenty third, and uh, surprise, we haven't seen a trailer yet. Hopefully, we will soon. Uh, Creed three. Mm-hmm. I forgot mm-hmm. about that one. And yeah. that should be on my list. I, I'm a huge fan of the first Creed. I, I, Creed two, I think, is also very, very solid. The first Creed, I think, is like legitimately an excellent movie. I, I had it on my best of the decade list. I was re-listening to that podcast not too long ago. Yeah, I have Creed. And it's uh, I think I had it at nine, perhaps, but I would probably keep it somewhere around there. I really love Creed. And this is actually, Michael B. Jordan is directing it, his directorial debut. So the guy who plays Creed is directing this movie. Really? Uh-huh. He didn't do either one of the first two. He's never directed a movie before. So I'm anticipating a lot for that aspect, mm-hmm. too. I'm excited to see uh, how he is as a director, how, uh, what, what his voice is like on screen. And so, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And, you know, Creed has been a pretty reliable franchise so far, and uh, hopefully they keep it going. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to hop into your number three? My number three is a movie, again, I don't know a whole lot about, but I saw it a couple times as previews, and that's Amsterdam. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. uh, comes out November 4th, mm-hmm. which is about three friends, and it looks like it happens at different stages during their life. Yeah. And I just think that that's a really, and it's like how they're yeah. you know, three people who Great are- Great cast in that movie, yeah, too. Yeah, very different, and just Robert mm-hmm. De Niro looks sick. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, probably probably a pretty serious role. Yeah, which I have never seen him play a serious role. I don't know if he ever has even. Yeah, geez, I I don't know if I can think of any super. Well, he was in um, he was in a Saw movie like last year. Oh, okay. like the horror franchise, and he tried to be really serious in that, but it was just not great. Work. But wow. you know, he's working with a much better director here. Um, yeah that that one didn't make my top five, but that's like one of those ones that is probably six, if I'm being honest. Okay. Now, the guy who is making that movie, his name's David O. Russell. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty polarizing um, filmmaker, I would say. His movies tend to get a lot of um, recognition from the Academy, like the Oscars. But um, they they don't really click with audiences that well. And he, But he's known for getting these great casts. So some of the movies he's done, he did um, The Fighter, mm-hmm. um, American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook. And Joy, if you've ever heard of that, that was Jennifer Lawrence. I think that was his most most recent movie. I could be wrong on that though, but that was like 2015. Um, I really like The Fighter, and I think Silver Linings Playbook is great. And so, and and you know, all those movies I just listed have really strong casts, and that's what he's known for. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm again, I'm optimistic about that one. I'm curious. It looks like a really interesting story. I love the three leads: Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington. And so that one should be good. I'm excited to see, and it'll probably be big come award season too. So yeah, yeah, that one looks interesting. Yeah, and the trailer, and the trailer got me. Like I said, I don't yeah. know a whole lot. Trailer, yeah, it. just dropped this past week. Yeah, trailer. Yeah, did well. it, it looks good. I yeah. agree. Um, my number three is uh, 
Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm. Now, we I briefly mentioned Avatar earlier. That is my two, by the way. Is it? So, yeah, again, okay. we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take the time now to talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Because it's your three, and my two is coming up next. So and yeah. I think your number one is my number two. Really? What's your number one? Okay, uh, anyway. Um, but yes, it is. I can tell you right now. Yeah. It's uh, what you think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Avatar, so I just rewatched the first Avatar two I, days ago. Yeah, I'm looking to rewatch it. Yeah. Um, where, where is it? Or do you buy it's it? It's on Disney Plus. Do you have the the DVD? I actually do have the DVD in the DVD. I don't. I mean, yeah, you could you could borrow it if you'd like. Why? I mean, hey. What's the difference? Like why? quality. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, do you have a Disney Plus I could use? That yes. Oh, well, we could discuss that after the show. No, but give me the password now. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that was my first time watching it since I was probably ten years old. Yeah, my the movie been a long time too. The movie came out in two thousand nine. Yeah. So I was eight when it came out, and then, yeah, I probably watched it once since, and I just rewatched it. Not, it was pretty much with a fresh eye. Pretty much all I would remember was that they basically had sex by tying their ponytails together. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the big so thing I remembered. Yeah, it. that was <laughs> the big thing I remembered outside of just you know blue people. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like I really yeah. liked it. Um, it's it's very very long. It's very dense. And, you know, um, a lot of people shit on the movie for stealing the plot of uh, a movie from, I think it's 1990. It won Best Picture. It's called Dances with Wolves. It's about, like, a Civil War veteran that uh, um, reluctantly, like, uh, basically gets intertwined with a um, a Sioux Indian tribe, mm-hmm. but ends up, like, adopting their ways and really learning to respect them and fight for them. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the exact same plot as Avatar. So people get mad at it a lot for that reason. It's a masterpiece outside. Yeah, creatively. Yeah. Like, outside of the story itself, like, the fact that they thought of this and created this whole entire world is unbelievable. And the movie, for the most part, effects-wise, holds up really well, I think. Oh, yeah. Especially for 2009. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the big thing about it at the time. It was such a revolution or revelation for, uh, you know, what it was doing with special effects. And so... And, and, you know, it's interesting to watch 13 years later, you know, when you have all these Marvel movies and these big, expensive superhero movies that, you know, are, you know, really interesting to look at. And so Avatar, I thought for the most part, held up really, really well. There are some parts where I was like, that looks like it's out of like a PlayStation 2 video game. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I thought it was really, really good. And I really enjoyed watching it. Like I said, and I, I get that the story is derivative. But the creativity outside of it is really, really mind-blowing. And I really want to spend more time in this world. And so now that, you know, the sequel's coming out where, you know, the story isn't an outsider learning to, you know, learning the ways of this tribe. Um, and he, now he's just a member of the tribe. And so now hopefully we'll get a more um, more interesting story. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really looking forward to just spending more time in Pandora. I thought it was so so cool and I love how creative it is and how unique it is and the scope of the first movie is unbelievable I could I was watching it in my room on a tv that's probably 30 inches and I was like I can't believe like the scope of this movie no other movie I could think of immediately feels as big as this movie does like like the size and scope of Pandora itself feels so infinite and feels like there's so much that there's so much more that there is to explore. Mm-hmm. And so I just really want to spend more time in that world. And I'm really looking forward to Avatar. And, you know, like I said, it's 13 years in the making, this sequel. 
And so I, I've got high hopes for it. Which so. we were kind of talking about with Top Gun Maverick. That's kind yeah. of a new genre. Of yeah, like the, the legacy sequel. sequel. Yeah. 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 But I think Avatar The Way of Water is becoming like an unintentional legacy sequel because it was supposed to come out like a couple of years after the first Avatar. Really? Yeah, I it's just been pushed that. back and pushed back and like required more work and more money than they thought. Because there's supposed to be like five Avatar movies. Really? And they, they were supposed to be released over like a 10-year span. And so now here we are 13 years later, finally getting the second movie. I did and not know that. So, yeah, so it's a bit, yeah, so we'll see how it, and it's, so it's interesting in that aspect that it's becoming an unintentional, like, legacy sequel. And, but, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Hopefully you can't tell between the parts that were made 10 years ago and the parts that were made. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that it'll, yeah, I don't know. And apparently it's three hours long, too, so. You know, they, it's get it's a comfortable be, theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get get a recliner, Dolby. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anything you wanted to add about Avatar: The Way of Water? Uh, no, I uh, like I said, I am trying to rewatch it. I remember, I remember watching it when it first came out, and then I remember watching it, I don't know, five or six years ago, and being like, "Wow, that was really cool!" Like, uh-huh. and it kind of like bumped its way up on like maybe not my top ten movies of all time, but like my top ten like. Or just like top movies of like, you know, this one's really getting on me. Yeah. And then kind of like what we were saying earlier, it never grew on me and it just kind of washed away and then it never really got back up there. So I don't yeah. know if it's like just when I'm watching it, it's just like this false sense of, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And I know it's a great movie, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm definitely well, curious. I think the thing that hurts it so much is that it's not rewatchable. Yeah. It, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's long <laughs> because it's three hours. Well, yeah. the first one's two hours and 40 some minutes. Like that's such a commitment, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, I personally have no problem watching a movie like in segments and taking a few days to watch it. Right. But I know a lot of people really don't like doing that. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I, I personally can see myself watching it again before the new one, but you know, it's a tough watch I think for a lot of people. And I totally get that. Right. That's all I got. Can yeah. I, like I said, my one is your two. So can yeah. I, can I say, please it? do. I just want to first off say, I am less excited about it than I was. Really? So this is Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that was the yep, one you were thinking that's of. That's Jordan, Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, and I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit because this is one I actually... The first trailer that came out, if you remember that yep, one, where I it starts out, starts out with the, you know, the, the black person on the horse. Yep. And, and then it just kind of takes this weird turn where you're like, what is going to happen in this movie? Yeah. Which is what I think... Jordan Peele does really well with Get Out and Us. Agreed. Now, we, I don't remember. You like Us a little bit better. I do. Yeah, as which, do I. Which I, I, we are in the minority for. I, I was but. actually just this past weekend when I was in Illinois, I was the guy I was with is a huge Get Out fan. Yeah. And I think he hated us, but he was trying to be nice and was just like, yeah, it didn't do it for me. But anyway, either way, both times you're watching the movie, you just really don't know where this is going to go. Especially that first watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And... You know, they talk like the scene in Us, how tense it is when the family's coming up. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt the first trailer of Nope. Mm-hmm. The second, third, fourth trailer, it's a lot clearer that it's about aliens. Yeah. And to me that, I'm not saying he's doesn't, I'm not saying he's not going to take it in a direction we don't know. Uh-huh. But to me that's taken away, like I almost wanted to go to the theater not knowing anything that's going to happen and then figuring out it's about aliens. Yeah. So... I 100% agree. A little tip. This is what I have learned to live by over the past few years. If you want to adopt this, feel free. 
So when trailers get released, you know, if you see a trailer in a movie theater, you can't really avoid it. It's on the screen and they're not, you know, turning it off. Mm -hmm. So on YouTube, when trailers get released, for instance, it'll say that first trailer come out, it'll say, nope, trailer number one. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, you'll see, nope, trailer number two, trailer number three, nope, final trailer. Mm -hmm. So they have these little subtitles. Just know whatever movie it is going forward, trailers number two, three, four, trailer, final trailer will always give away more than that first trailer. I, always. Well, absolutely. So that's why I, if I do, a lot of movies I like to not watch trailers. Now, nope, the only reason I saw these trailers, I've seen both of the trailers that we mentioned, um, is because they've played in theaters and I've, they, mm-hmm. it's played a lot before movies I've seen. Um, so, yes, nope, that first trailer I thought was awesome yeah. and get, gets me so excited for the movie because right. there's so much mystery. Now, yes, trailer number two, I've only seen one time. I don't, I don't know which one is which. I wait, just, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's just two long-form trailers, the two-and-a-half-minute trailers. Okay. Okay. So there's trailer one and trailer two. Trailer two, yes, seems to reveal a lot more about the plot. Mm-hmm. And, I re- and I saw it once in theaters, and I remember right when that trailer ended, I thought to myself, I really wish I didn't just see that. Yeah. Because I knew part of it was aliens because... Um, there's one very, very small scene in the first trailer. That it looks like a UFO, yeah. but you you don't really get, you I, don't I, know. Yeah. I had yeah, you're right. And the, tr- the first trailer is so great in that aspect. I had known it was oh, a UFO okay. because I had heard stuff from Jordan Peele and just like, yeah, it's a UFO. Like him confirming that. Mm-hmm. Now, granted that we don't see the aliens in the trailer, we don't see what's on the UFO. It still makes me super excited for the movie because Jordan Peele is so unpredictable. Oh, I'm very excited. Oh yeah, and there's also been. In the trailer, especially that first one, there's some imagery of like some really haunting stuff that I'm yeah. really excited to see. There's um, it looks like at one point, I'm trying to remember, I don't have it in front of me, but it looks like somebody might be hiding under a bed or something. And you see a hand reach under, mm-hmm. and it's like a bloody hand, but it's like covered in like fur. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like what the what the hell could the rest of that creature look like? Right. So I'm really excited for it in that aspect, and but yes. When it when I watched the second trailer, and more about the plot was revealed, now basically I know what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's a little upsetting because yeah. I don't know his movies. I think you're right. Is so his biggest strength is his unpredictability. Right, and, and it takes like a normal situation, like you know, a couple going to visit her family or a yeah. family on vacation. Yeah. And then it just slowly becomes this really weird thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever watched the Us trailer. Because yeah. I didn't really know about the movie until I went to see it with you in yeah. Little Beach. Right. And I don't really remember. I don't know what that was like. Uh-huh. But I, I I would imagine it didn't show. You right. Know, yeah. Just be like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's a little disappointing for mm-hmm. me. But I mean, and he also does a really good job, like I just said, of making these really, really weird things and the normal things match up. Like there's a scene um, in the in the Nope trailer. It's like a, I don't know, it's just this like woman with like a bone yes, of a face yes. or something. Yes, that was another one of the images I was yeah. talking about. Which is definitely more realistic than aliens. Do you, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Or like all the horses and like all the horses and yeah. the, you know, the power going out. That's all realistic stuff. Uh-huh. And I think he does a really good job of ha- having these really abstract ideas yeah. also pertain to you. Uh-huh. And it kind of like every time I watch Us, it's one of my favorite movies. Every time I watch it, I'm I'm looking over my shoulder a little yeah. bit because it's pretty realistic. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I love about him too is uh, like in Us, for instance, there's all the stuff with the rabbits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like 
you know, he was in and he was, you know, I love historically <laughs> in a, in an interview and somebody was like, what's the deal with the rabbits? You know, those were really creepy and really, it worked really well, but like why rabbits? And mm-hmm. he was like, Jordan Peele's just like, oh, I don't know. Rabbits always freak me out. So put them in there. Yeah. It was like, it was a and childhood. He, yeah. Childhood it was like a childhood thing. fear of mine. So I put them in there and, and it's like, and it works so well. It makes you kind of like wear, weary of rabbits, yeah. you know? And like, I've never thought of it like that. And so I mean, hopefully he does a lot of stuff like that and nope. And, you know, there is still a lot of mystery surrounding it. Oh, nope, yeah, what the movie's going to be like. Like I um, said, there's going to be things that yeah. you know, we don't see coming. Right, yeah. So I'm very excited about that. You know, this is the most money he's been given to make a movie, which is really exciting. The whole movie is filmed on IMAX cameras, which is really, really cool. So the movie's uh, probably going to look great, which I'm really excited for. And, I mean, I love Daniel Kaluuya. I think he's a great actor. That's and the guy that was in Get Out, yeah, too. Yeah, it's the main yeah. guy. So I'm excited to see him. And Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. Another yeah. Nickelodeon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see her. And then Steven, I think his last name is pronounced Yoon. He's a, he's a really solid actor. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this movie. And yeah. I, I and it's a week and a half away. I'm surprised this is not your one. Yeah, so my one is a bit of a cheat, but not really. Okay. So technically... IMDb has the release date for my number one movie as January 6th, 2023. Okay. But it's labeled as a 2022 movie. So what I'm assuming this means is this movie's probably going to get a um, a very limited release, probably somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. It's going to get released in cities like New York and Los Angeles, maybe Chicago. And it won't be released nationwide until January 6th. I see. But they'll do that small release, so it's going to be eligible for the 2023 Oscars. Oh. So this movie is called Babylon. Yeah, I've it's heard It's directed that, yep. by Damien Chazelle, the man behind Whiplash, La La Land, the greatest and First movie Man. Ever. Yep. <laughs> Arguably, he is, in my opinion, the most exciting filmmaker working today. He has not missed. He's three. He's, for, he's three only made three movies, but... I have two not seen of, The First Man, though. First Man... Extremely underrated. Yeah. It kind of came that. and went. Yeah. Um, it came out and people were like, yeah, that was really good. And nobody's really talked about it since. And I think it's because it's much more personal and contained, I think, than Whiplash or than La La Land for sure. But, um, you know, Whiplash just came on the scene with such a bang and that movie's so universally loved that, I don't know, First Man just had such high expectations to live up to. And so this movie. Starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, two of my favorite actors working today. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it takes place in old Hollywood. I think it's around the time switching from silent films to what they're called talkies, so movies mm-hmm. that include sound and dialogue. And so I'm really just excited to see what Damien Chazelle can do with that. I, I mean, obviously, I'll see whatever he puts out, but, you know, I'm really excited to see what he does with this period in time and with these actors to, to people he's never worked with before. And, uh, yeah, I just really, really love Damien Chazelle, so I'm very excited for this movie. I'm gonna if I can include that one on my list too, I'm going to. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. knock out Black Panther, I'm gonna put that in my two. Okay. Fair. So I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm then, very excited. So for my this five movie. will be bullet. So we had a lot of similar ones. Yeah. I yeah, because what we had now, Babylon, Nope, Avatar, and Bullet Train. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. mine was Amsterdam. What was the one I didn't have? Creed three. Creed yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Forgot about that uh-huh. one, which that one's to the top. Yeah, too. no, and I'd still really <laughs> want to see Amsterdam. So it's like other than that, though, other than these movies we've mentioned, there ain't much. No. It's like 2022 hasn't been a great year for movies so far, in my opinion. I think the high points are really high. Your Top Gun Mavericks, Batman, the f- the five I mentioned. But, I mean, like, after I get out of this top ten, 
like even my number 10 my honorable mention men is a movie i don't like that much right like I, that's, I, that's how i felt with black panther like yeah it's so and it's like and like i don't know because i've seen about 30 movies so far this year and that 11 through 30 like there's not many i really enjoyed but a lot of disappointments and that's because 2021 was a banger of a year 2021 did have a lot of good movies yeah. like surprisingly a ton um so yeah i mean hopefully i get surprised by a lot of these movies but it's looking like the answer is going to be nope <laughs> ah. uh, just having fun whoa um don't break my stuff yeah uh so yeah any any final thoughts you know i mean I'm, i mean I'm, I'm excited but i'm also not yeah i mean I, hopefully i watch more movies though yeah these movies i watch more than the ones that you Named at the beginning. Right. Because like I said, I really haven't watched a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's tough when nothing's really calling your name. Yeah. You know? But, you know, hopefully we're wrong, and hopefully these are all great movies. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time on the True Critic Podcast. <laughs>